My name's Shannon, and I'm a member here. <laughs> Thanks, small group. Um, I just would love to welcome each of you here today. Speaking of my small group, there's going to be a picture of them on the screen. This is them. Um, I'm so thankful for this group of people and um, how that we just get a chance to come together each week um, and talk about Jesus and what he's doing in our lives. So if you don't have a small group, I would encourage you to um, jump in. Um, it's an amazing time to spend together. Um, if you are new or visiting, special welcome to you. There are connect cards in the seat backs in front of you. You can pull one of those out, fill out as much information as you feel comfortable with. Um, there's even a spot to mark if you would like um, lunch with a pastor. Smiley loves to do those. And so you can mark that and then put it on um, in the black boxes on your way out. We have two Discover Good News classes coming up in June, June 17th and June 21st. If you would like to find out more about what um, Good News is all about or um, are interested in becoming a member, this is your next step. And you can mark that on your card, um, and that will get you registered for the class. You may have noticed near you there is a study. Um, this is an awesome tool that um, we put out once a month. And it's got places in there for you to take notes from the messages, um, small group cue to bring that with you. And it's also got a reading plan. And um, I use the reading plan every week, and our small group um, does as well. And so um, I just would recommend that you um, start and read through Acts with us if you're not already. Um, Jesus is transforming my life through his word, and I know he will do the same um, for you. Uh, VBS is coming up in um, next week and so this is always one of the best weeks of the year we've got a ton of kids registered we've got leaders ready to go um, and so Tony has just asked us to um, pray with her that kids would be um, transformed by Jesus this week so if you um, would pray that with all of us that would be really great um, you may have also noticed these orange cards on your seats this is for Good News Camp, which is September 15th through 17th. It is for newborns through 90-year-olds, so we would love every single one of you to be there. Um, it's our campus, and the World Golf Village campus will all be together. We've got the whole camp for the weekend. Um, it's going to be such a fun time. Um, we've got four club meetings happening um, that weekend where we'll have um, Dean Plumley will be our speaker, and then we've got um, worship songs, and um, then we've got free time as well. Um, and there's just so much to do, and it'll just be an awesome time for us to be together um, as a church family. So um, there's a QR code on those cards, and you can scan it, and it'll take you right to the Good News Camp page um, that has all the information you need, and it has a register, I mean, a link to register right on there. Um, also, bring your small group. Like, get together with your small group, and y'all can um, send me an email. My contact information is on there as well, and um, you can stay together, request to be together in the dorms, men and boys in one, and um, ladies and daughters in another. Um, it'll just be an awesome time to be together. We do have a need for that weekend. We need two certified lifeguards. Um, so if you know anyone or if you are certified, if you can get in touch with me, you get to go to camp for free, and you'll just be serving a couple times during the weekend, and that would be a huge help um, to us. So let me know. You could write it on your Connect card as well if you um, would like to serve in that way. Um, here's a short video that shows you some of the things that Southwind has to offer during our free time there.
get registered and come with us. It's going to be great. Um, let's pray together um, as Smiley comes up to speak. Father, um, thank you for this day to gather together um, and to worship you. Um, I pray for Smiley as he comes forward. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give him um, the words to speak, and I pray that you would open um, our hearts and minds to hear um, what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Shannon. We had a couple people with a first serve recently, and we really want to thank Kaya and her mom, Lindsay, for helping out in children's ministry. Thank you so much. We have so many children that are coming and appreciate so much all of you who help out in children's ministry, and there's always room for you to serve there. Also really excited this week that we saw three people put their faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. If you're new, each of these rings represents someone that heard the gospel and put their faith in Christ. And it's just amazing. Week by week, uh, we have people who are, who are introducing a friend of theirs to their best friend, Jesus. And I'm really praying that all of us would have that opportunity this year. Can you imagine if all of us had a chance this year to introduce a friend to our best friend? What an amazing year it would be. Now, the title of today's message is called Real Men of Jesus. Real Men of Jesus. Real Men of Jesus. If you're old like me, there used to be a Bud Light commercial. Bud Light's doing real well, right? <laughs> uh, and the commercials were called Real Men of Genius. And if you remember them, they really weren't geniuses. And they really weren't real men either. And, and it got me thinking, is there any man on a modern-day television show that's portrayed in a good way, is there? I mean, there's such an attack on, on men, and, and so today's message is, is called Real Men of Jesus. And, and I'm so thankful for Jesus because Jesus loves men. In a culture that, that says there's nothing men do that's well, Jesus has a real special place in his heart for men and, and for women, too. Matter of fact, uh, I believe deep in the heart of every man, there's a longing for greatness. And Jesus provides men that opportunity that we long for. He provides me and you an opportunity for greatness, to be involved in something bigger than ourselves. In Matthew 4, 19, when Jesus called his first disciples, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus appealed to something in the hearts of men to want to be difference makers, and he said, follow me and help change the world. And, and they left everything for the opportunity to follow Jesus and help change the world. And that's what we're going to learn about today. As we learn about real men of Jesus, the point of today's message is that real men fight the good fight. Would you say that for me? Fight the good fight. We're going to learn there is a fight worth fighting. And, uh, and just spend for a moment, what could happen in our home if we were real men of Jesus, that our hearts were captured by the love of Christ and we were willing to follow Jesus and fight the good fight in our home? What would that look like? How about in our church? What if we had a church filled with men whose hearts were captured by the love of Christ, who heard Jesus call them to fight the good fight, and they said, man, we're all in. I mean, are there any problems in our country? 
What if there were men, real men of Jesus, whose hearts had been captured by the love of Jesus Christ, and they were willing to follow Jesus anywhere. They were willing to engage the good fight. That's what we're going to be learning about today. Huh. If you're new, we're studying the book of 1 Timothy. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And here's what's happened. Paul has planted a church in Ephesus. One of his disciples is Timothy, who's now the pastor there. And Paul is really equipping him to be an effective pastor and disciple maker. He's equipping him. He's teaching him how to be a real man of, of Jesus. And uh, we get to listen in to his disciple-making meetings. So in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, but flee from these things, you man of God. Do you see? He says, Timothy, you're a real man of God. You're a real man of Jesus. Flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now, last week, last week we learned that there's, the devil has a very limited playbook, that the plays he runs over and over again are, are the love of money and immorality and power. And these destroy all kinds of lives. So there's certain sins the Bible says, flee. So he says, real men of Jesus who want to fight the good fight, they flee the love of money. They flee immorality. They flee that pursuit of power. And instead, because their hearts are captured by love of Jesus, they pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. What if? What if that was our pursuit as men and women too? Verse 12, there it is, fight the good fight. There is a fight worth fighting. Men, there's a fight worth fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession by the presence of many witnesses. Remember when you first heard the gospel? Do you remember how precious it was to you? Do you remember? Take hold of that. Let that be the motivating thing in your life. I charge you. In the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Remember Jesus? Remember how he made the good confession before Pontius Pilate? That you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly there's many commandments, but his last commandment's the most important, right? The great commission to, to go and make disciples of all the nations. When Jesus comes back, may he find us faithfully carrying out his commandment, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, I love Paul. He goes right from doxology, or from theology to doxology. When he starts talking about Jesus, his heart is so inflamed, he moves from theology to, to doxology to worship. He says there's many kings, but we as men follow the king of kings. And there's many lords, but Jesus is the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light to whom no man has seen or can see. He's saying no man has been to heaven and seen God and come back to tell us about him, but one day we will see him. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. But what we're going to focus on in particular is verse 12. Notice, fight the good fight. Oh, there is a good fight. 
There is a fight worth fighting. In this past week, I've been going around asking people, is there anything you're willing to fight for? And I would ask you, is there anything? Is there anything so precious for you that you would be willing to fight for? And what Paul says is there is a good fight. The good fight is the fight of faith. The good fight is the fight for the gospel. The good fight is to fight for the gospel, to believe the gospel, to defend the gospel, to advance the gospel no matter what the price. And it is a fight. It is a fight to fight to believe the gospel. It is a fight to, to defend the gospel. It is a fight to advance the gospel in a hostile culture. So what is the good fight? It's the fight for the gospel. But Smiley, what? What would motivate us to engage? What would move us to fight the good fight? You know what would? To really be gripped by the gospel. And do you know what the gospel teaches? That Jesus fought for us. Do you know what will motivate us to engage in the good fight? When we are staggered that Jesus would fight the good fight for us. It makes sense that we would fight for him, but it makes no sense at all that he would fight for us, and he did. That is the gospel. And so the good fight is that we fight to believe the gospel ourselves. That is our biggest fight is to believe the gospel ourselves. And I want you to understand that, that for me, believing the gospel has come in three steps and three steps. And the first step, the first step of, of believing the gospel for me was to understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And... Um, and that he rose on the third day, and when we believe in him, we're forgiven of all of our sins. That was the first step, that Jesus died for our sins, rose, and we're forgiven through faith in him. That's the good fight. That's the gospel. Remember back in chapter 1, we read verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. What is the gospel that Jesus came to save sinners? That's the good news. But notice the bad news is contained in that, and that is that we are sinners. Listen, we are sinners by birth, and we are sinners by choice. Sinners by birth that we inherited from our parents, a sinful nature, and then we've all chosen to sin against God. What is a sin? It's a crime against God. We break God's laws. We break God's hearts. We say, God, we will not do life your way. That's why sin is such a big deal. It's personal. It's against God. We won't put you first. We won't honor our parents. We won't reserve sex for marriage. We won't tell the truth. We will do life our way. And every one of us is guilty of crime after crime against a just God who says what we deserve is hell. But here's the good news. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. When we understand we are sinners by birth and by choice and that Jesus came to save us, that's good news. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. And do you know what he did? He died on the cross for our sins. He fought for us. He fought for us in the garden, didn't he? Remember that night? Remember he's in the garden, he looks at what's about to happen, he looks into the cup of God's wrath and realizes he was going to be made sin. Is he fighting for us in the garden? Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way other than me drinking the cup of God's wrath, let me know. And the father said what? There's no other way. Do you know he was fighting the good fight for us in the garden? 
And then you know what happened on the cross, right? He was fighting the good fight for us, that God the Father took all of our sins and placed them on Jesus. And he experienced the wrath of God our sins deserve. You need to know the whole time on the cross, he was fighting for us because he was experiencing the most terrific thing anyone could ever experience, the wrath of God poured out for sin. But he fought for us. He stayed on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished. He fought the good fight, right? And he said it was finished. And we know it's true because he was buried, but the third day he rose from the grave. And that proved that he had conquered sin and death because death is the penalty for sin. And when the penalty was paid and fully walked out, proving he had conquered sin and death, and he offers us the greatest gift ever of eternal life, the forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future, the chance to do life and eternity with him. And what does he require of us? That we believe in him, right? That we put our faith in him. In John 3, 16, would you read this verse with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How does Jesus say we can have eternal life? How? By believing in him. But so many of us believe in ourselves. What's your plan to get to heaven? I'm a good person. No, no. We need to transfer our trust from trusting in ourselves and put our trust in Jesus. Have you? To believe in him. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It's, it's, it's rather simple. It's as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or I'll, I'll help you when we close in prayer. But, but listen, when, when I understood my sin and that Christ had died for me and he offered me forgiveness and eternal life, I admitted Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry, won't you? And then I said, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and Lord. Forgive me. Give me eternal life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And he did. Won't you? And you know what? That was the first step. The first step in my life of understanding the gospel was to understand that Jesus fought for me. He fought for me in the garden. He fought for me in the, on the cross. He died for my sins. And when I believe in him, I'm forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future. But you know what? The second step, the second step for me in understanding the gospel, going a little bit deeper, is that Jesus lived a perfect life for me that Jesus lived a perfect life for me, and the moment I believed in him, that we become righteous in Christ. Oh, fight the good fight of faith. That's what Jesus did for us. He fought the good fight of faith for us by living a perfect life. In, um, in John chapter 8, <clears throat> look at the last line here. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. For 33 years, Jesus fought for us. Every choice he ever made, he was fighting for us. He was fighting for us by choosing to walk in obedience. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Oh, in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Oh, 
For 33 years, Jesus fought for us. In every decision, he made tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. But I want you to know that no one has ever been tempted like Jesus. And you say, why is that? Well, here's how sin works. We're tempted, we're tempted, we're tempted, and what do we do? We give in, don't we? And then it what? It starts all over again. And we get tempted, and we get tempted, and we get tempted, and then we sin. But not so with Jesus. See, with Jesus, he was tempted beyond anything we can imagine. I mean, imagine you're a baseball pitcher and you're pitching a no-hitter. All right, you're pitching a no-hitter. There, there's not much pressure in the first inning, right? I mean, we always, you know, we walk someone, we give up a hit in the first inning, right? But you're a pitcher and a no-hitter in the first inning, and then the second inning, and then the third inning, and then the fourth inning. So the fifth inning, I'm pitching a no-hitter. The pressure begins to rise, doesn't it? And then the sixth inning, and then the seventh inning, then the eighth, and you get in the ninth inning. And you've got a concrete elbow because every pitch, I don't want to give up, I don't want to give up. And so it was with Jesus. The pressure mounted and mounted and mounted. And he always chose to fight for us by choosing obedience. Oh, what would motivate us to fight the good fight is to see Jesus fighting for us in every decision he made. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin, a no-hitter, a perfect game. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Oh, Jesus, thank you for fighting for us. Help us to fight the good fight. So do you know what happens? Jesus lived a perfect life, and when we believe in him, do you know what happens? Do you know what happens? Let me show you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen carefully. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That was my first step in understanding the gospel, right? That Christ died for our sins. The moment we believe our sins are imputed to Christ and we're forgiven. But, but here's the second step. Notice, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The moment we believe in Jesus, His righteousness is imputed to our account. So from that moment on, our standing before God's not based on our own performance, but it's based on the righteousness of Christ. We're not simply forgiven in Christ, we're righteous in God's eyes. It's like we were clothed in filthy garments, and we were, and we gave them to Jesus, and he took them away, and he gave us his beautiful robes of righteousness so that we stand before God righteous in his eyes. In the doctrinal statement of our church, the Westminster Confession of Faith, in the shorter catechism, it asked the question, what is justification? And so we talk about, you know, what, what does it mean to be justified? Notice justification is an act of God's free grace. The moment we believe in Jesus, we're justified. And what does that mean? That we're right with God, wherein he pardons all our sins. I don't know about you, but I've messed up a lot. And Jesus, I am so thankful that you've forgiven me of all my sins, right? Past and present and future, aren't you? But listen, that's only half the story. Notice, and accepts us as righteous in his eyes, uh, his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. 
How freeing it is to know that my standing before God, that when the Father looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not mine. Wow. So that was the second step in believing the gospel for me, was that Jesus fought for us. He fought for us and died for us and and, and rose, and because of that, we're forgiven. He fought for us for 33 years, living a perfect life, and the moment we believe, we're righteous in God's eyes. Uh, And then the third step for me, the third step was to understand that Jesus is our model for life and ministry, that Jesus is our model for life and ministry, that Jesus fought for us for 33 years to provide for us a model of the beautiful life so that we could see the way life is meant to be. And Jesus says to us, follow me. And for 33 years, he he gives us a model for ministry the way he would have us to do ministry, right? And, And he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus in life and in ministry. So our passage in 6.11, flee from these things, you man of God. The Holy Spirit says, listen, don't wreck your life. Don't wreck your life. Flee from sin. And then he says, look at Jesus, look at the beautiful life that he lived and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus in life. Follow him in ministry. I mean, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The more we look at Jesus, the more we understand what God's purpose is for our life. One of the ways Jesus fights for us is he prays for us. You know, he's still praying for us. He still intercedes for us. He's still fighting for us. But in John 17, we see Jesus fighting for us as he prays for us. In John 17, 18, Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, Father, as you sent me into the world to seek and save the lost and make disciples, so I also have sent them into the world. I send them having given them a model for life and ministry so they would do what I have done. Um, So, what is the good fight? The good fight is to fight to believe the gospel, to believe it, to believe that Jesus fought for us. He died and rose and we're forgiven. It's to believe that Jesus fought for us and lived a perfect life and we're righteous in his eyes. It's to believe that Jesus fought for us and provided us a model for life and ministry and he's given us the Holy Spirit so we can follow him in life and ministry. It's to believe. To fight the good fight is to defend the gospel. You know, that's a fight. It is the good fight to defend the gospel. Uh, a reoccurring theme in 1 Timothy uh, is, is Paul is telling Timothy over and over again to watch out, to watch out for false teachers. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Know the gospel. Treasure the gospel so you can spot false teachers. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In a few weeks, we'll be down in verse 20, where Paul says, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. If you're a Christian, you have a treasure. The gospel is a treasure, and we're to guard it. 
When someone joins the military, they take an oath to defend the Constitution, right, against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And so being a real man of Jesus, fighting the good fight is to defend the gospel from all attacks, both from outside the church and inside the church. Guard, defend what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the truth, from the faith. The gospel is continually being attacked. Some people say it's too narrow, and other people say it's too wide, too gracious. <laughs> I mean, we hear the too narrow, don't we? Just what? Just one way? Just one? Isn't the God, okay, just one way? How can there be just one way? Oh, man. When you understand our sin, the amazing thing is there is a way for sinners to be forgiven, and Jesus is the way. There, the, 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 the gospel is attacked by those who say it's too narrow. <laughs> but listen, it's also attacked for being too wide. Oh, wait a minute, Smiley. You're saying that a person can just sin and sin and sin and then believe in Jesus and go to heaven? Well, actually, I didn't say that, but, but Jesus did. Matter of fact... The gospel says you can't be too bad to go to heaven. Did you know that? But you can be too good. You see, no matter how bad you are, if you'll admit your sin and you'll believe in Christ and commit to heaven, no matter how bad you are, you can go to heaven. But there's a lot of people who are too good. And they'll say, no, no, I don't, I, I don't need a Savior. I can take care of it myself. Listen, don't be too good to go to heaven, okay? You can't be too bad, but you can be too good. So we are to fight for the gospel. We're to defend the gospel against those who say, who, those who say it's, it's too narrow and those who say it's too wide. Oh, when we finish 1 Timothy, we'll move into 2 Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Paul says the good fight the fight for the gospel, it's worth suffering for. After all, Jesus fought for us and suffered for us, didn't he? For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. I've entrusted my eternity to Jesus. He'll keep it safe. Men can kill me, but Jesus will keep me safe forever. So Jesus guards what we've entrusted to him, our eternity, and he calls us to guard what he's entrusted to us. Retain the standard of sound words. Know the gospel so you can defend it. Which words? Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard, defend, treasure through the Holy Spirit who indwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. We have a treasure. And we're called to guard it, to defend it against all attacks. Listen, the gospel is attacked by people who want to take away from the gospel. We need to defend it. The gospel is attacked by those who want to add to it, and so we defend it. That's why it's so important we understand the gospel. There's bad news, and there's good news, and there's our response. There are those who want to take away from the gospel. Smiley, don't talk about sin. Don't talk about hell. People today don't want to hear that. Don't mention that. They want to take away from the gospel. 
There are those today in the progressive church who deny the virgin birth, who deny the substitutionary atonement, saying that's cosmic child abuse, that Christ died on the cross for our sins. There are those today who deny the resurrection of Christ. They take away from the gospel, and we defend. Jesus was virgin-born. He did die for our sins. He did rise. But listen, the gospel is attacked by those who add to it. People say, well, I mean, believing in Jesus is cool and all, but we have to do our part. God does our part, but we need to do ours. No. Listen, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus did it all so we could have it all. So the good fight, the good fight is to fight for the gospel, to believe the gospel, then to defend the gospel, and then to advance the gospel in the world, to advance the gospel. That's what he's saying when he says, fight the good fight of faith. Listen, the gospel's been entreasured to us, entrusted to us, and we're here on earth, right? And Jesus' last command was, and he said to them, go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We're here to advance the gospel, to take this treasure and go out and share with people the bad news and the good news and invite them to respond. Fight, the good fight, the faith, the, the fight to set prisoners free, to see the dead come to life. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Treasure the gospel. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, sometimes um, we encounter hostility, right? And, and so maybe we shrink back. So I want you to see how Jesus fought for us. He fought for us. He was courageous. Uh, I charge you. In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Often we draw back because we're afraid we'll get laughed at. And so I want us to lift up our eyes and look at Jesus and see what Jesus did, how he made the good confession when he stood before Pontius Pilate and his life was on the line. And Jesus showed us how to fight the good fight, didn't he? Oh, in John 18, verse 33, Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you? I mean, what are you going to do when you're brought before the civil authorities and they ask you, Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered him, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting, so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And so Jesus made the good confession before the one who condemned him to die. And then Pilate said to him, What is truth? 
are, are there people in our country that maybe believe things that you don't? Do they ever, like, irritate you? Do you know what the Bible says? That they're not our enemy. Did you know that? They're not our enemy. They're lost, and they're held captive by our enemy. And we're here on earth. We've been parachuted into the earth to cross the minefields and cut through the barbed wire and share the gospel and set prisoners free. When we get irritated by people, let's remember they're lost. They're not our enemy. They're held captive by our enemy. And how do we advance the gospel in a hostile territory? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're told, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, any quarrelsome people today? But be kind to all. Wouldn't we stand out in our culture today if we were kind to all, especially the people we disagreed with? Patient when wronged. Is that us? With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. We're gently, yes, we're correcting. We want to speak the truth. Gently correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, we can't convert anybody, but God can. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And so we pray as we share, Lord, send your spirit to open their eyes. Open their eyes to see their sin. Open their eyes to see the beauty of Jesus. Set them free to say yes to Jesus. Um, that's the good fight. Man, the good fight? The good fight is the fight for the gospel. It's to believe the gospel ourselves, that Jesus died for us and we're forgiven, that Jesus lived for us and we're righteous, that Jesus is a model for life and ministry, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can follow him in life and ministry. The good fight is to defend the gospel. Listen, the good fight is to advance the gospel, believing that people are lost and we have the treasure that sets prisoners free. So I bet you can't guess what the action step for the week is, huh? It's all very, very simple. I want you to fight the good fight. If you look around our culture, there's a lot of fights, aren't there? And people are willing to fight about anything and everything. Let's be real men of Jesus. Let, let's not get involved in all these fights. And, and real, let's, let's fight the good fight. Let's fight the fight to believe the gospel, to defend the gospel, to advance the gospel. And, and you say, well, how do we do that? We, we preach the gospel to ourselves. Let's do that this week. Let's preach the gospel to ourselves. Jesus, thank you for fighting for us on the cross, and we're forgiven. And thank you for fighting for us for 33 years, and we're righteous. And thank you for fighting for us to give us a model for life and ministry. Holy Spirit, help me to follow Jesus. Lord, help me. Help me to defend the gospel. Lord, help me to advance the gospel. Lord, open up opportunities to share the gospel. Will you preach the gospel to yourself? And then as we go out, let's go out and preach the gospel to others. When someone says to us this week, really, I've, I've really messed up. People tell me that all the time. You know what I say? I do too. I've messed up. But do you know what Jesus did? 
He died for our sins and He rose. And the moment we believe, we're forgiven. Who do you know who'd really love to hear that? Won't you share that? Oh, I talk with people and they say, smiling, I'm not a good Christian. <laughs> you know, I say, neither am I. But you know what Jesus did for us? He not only died for us, He lived for us. And the moment we believe, listen, we're clothed in Jesus' clothes and our standing before God is not based on our performance, but His. We're righteous in His eyes. Who do you know who'd love to hear that? If we're going to share our faith, one of the things we need to learn from Jesus is how to ask good questions. In this past week, I've been asking people, hey, on Sunday we're talking about fighting a good fight. What would you be willing to fight for? It's really an interesting question. People say, well, I'd be willing to fight for my family or I'd be willing to fight for freedom. Why not ask people this week when you're having lunch, just, hey, what would you be willing to fight for? And, and, and if they're willing to ask you back... Won't you just tell them what you learned today? You know what I would fight for? I would fight for the gospel. Do you know why? Because Jesus fought for me. Wow. He fought for me. He fought for me on the cross. And because of that, we can be forgiven. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? He fought for us his whole life, and because of that, we can be righteous in God's eyes. Wouldn't you like to be? Man, he fought for us so we could do life in eternity. Wouldn't you like to live forever? You can, you know. You really, really can. Oh, this week, let's be real men and real women of Jesus, and let's fight the good fight. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for fighting the good fight for us. Thank you for 33 years you fought the good fight and lived a perfect life. And thank you that you fought for us in the garden and the cross and stayed on the cross until you could cry out, it is finished. And Lord, thank you for rising, proving you had conquered sin and death and offering us eternal life. Listen, if perhaps for the first time today you've understood the gospel, Listen, one day it'll be too late to receive this gift. Won't you receive this gift today? I mean, won't you tell Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. <clears throat> and I want you to come in and be my Savior. And Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Or come up and tell me, I'd love to celebrate with you that today you received the greatest gift ever. And Lord, I pray for those of us who have received you that this week we would fight the good fight. Lord, help us to believe we're forgiven. Help us to believe we're righteous. Help us to believe that you're our model for life and ministry. Lord, this week, help us to defend the gospel. Lord, this week, help us to advance the gospel. Lord, give us boldness and courage to have gospel conversations. Lord, we have a treasure that our culture desperately needs the gospel. Give us boldness to share it. Lord, we're praying for revival because the alternative to a revival in our country is frightening. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
It is the first Sunday of the